0: You have your Bibles. We're going to turn to a number of different scriptures today. We're going to go to a number of different places. uh, And to kind of get you ready and get you started, we'll go to the book of Deuteronomy. uh, The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. And we'll get there in just a moment. But as Julian mentioned, I want to share this message today. It's time to serve. And I thought about this message and... prayed about it and just wanted to try to deliver something that would be encouraging to you and yet at the same time challenging, I believe that when we read Scripture, we read less about our rights and more about what God deserves from us. You know we, we are fortunate in this country i don 't know if you know that. Uh, we have been provided by the founding fathers of this country and the frame those who framed the constitution of this country that we have enormous amount of freedom. Some of our freedoms sometimes get in the, really gets in the way of what it is that God wants us to be. We are in this country all about our rights. We have what is known as the Bill of Rights. As citizens of this country those Bill of Rights afford us very important freedoms as citizens. We have freedom of the press. We have a freedom of speech. That's a dangerous one, I I will say that. We have a freedom uh, to do Uh, any number of things, a freedom of assembly. Thank God we have that. We have a lot of things that this country has that many other countries in the world do not have. But yet at the same time, God requires and desires of us as believers to be servants. I don't read in the Constitution, I've never read where it is, the responsibility of the American citizen to serve one another. Never. I've never read that. Uh, I have only read about the freedom that I have as a citizen. And I thank God for the freedoms that we have. I'm not, I'm not putting that down. I'm not anti-American today. I, I love my country. But I will say that sometimes we harp on our rights so much that we fail to see that God, when we come to Christ, while we are free in Him, we now have a responsibility to be a servant. I One of the things that we struggle with, I think, as believers is selfishness. Our society is so self-gratifying and self-centered and Quite honestly, hopelessly focused on number one. I am amazed today at how even the younger generation, our kids, are being raised. They're being raised to not be concerned and, and to to uh, be concerned about anybody else, be concerned about other people, to to consider others. They're not they're being raised in such a way as to think only of themselves. What can they do in life? What potential they have? And I'm all for potential. But sometimes what will happen is, is that, that there is this mindset of stepping on people in order to get what it is that you want in life. And I, I believe with all my heart, brothers and sisters, that God has called us not to step on our neighbor, but He has called us to elevate our neighbor. We are to consider others better than ourselves. We're going to read from that passage at the end of this message in Philippians chapter 2 but i believe that god has in store for each and every one of us you know we don't that we would be servants we don't we don't allow you know sin a gross sin to kind of enter into our lives we as believers we know better we know to resist the enemy when he comes that way and yet selfishness is such a subtle thing it comes in in certain ways to us Where we sort of feel this sense of entitlement. And brothers and sisters, in the body of Christ, we are entitled to one thing. We are entitled to be a servant of Jesus Christ. That and that alone. You are free to be His servant today. So the question is, how do we do this? You see, we have to look at our greatest example. Jesus The Bible lets us know that Jesus didn't come demanding certain rights as the Son of God. He didn't do any of that. In fact, He laid that aside. He was a servant. He was our greatest example. How is it that we are to get out of being wrapped up in our own little world? I think, quite honestly, it's fairly simple. We have to turn things around and become servants of one another. If there is anything that Scripture teaches us, it is this, that it's time to serve. It is time to serve. And if it's time to serve, we have to know some things. The first thing that we have to know is this, who we are to serve. I hope you're in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 13. This shows us, this verse of Scripture shows us that service must be exclusive. It says, fear the Lord your God, serve Him only. It starts with Him. It starts with the Lord. The Bible says, fear the Lord your God, that word fear is not this dread where you cower in a corner and hope He doesn't strike you down. The fear that is mentioned there is a reverence. It is An understanding of how great and awesome He is. So that when we approach Him, we don't approach Him as if somehow He's our buddy. We approach Him as if He is God, the creator of all things. We approach Him as if He is God, the one who has given His Son to die on the cross for us. But the Bible says here, serve Him only. Incidentally, Jesus said the very same thing when the devil tempted him and said, if you will just bow down and worship me, you see all the kingdoms of the world, they will be yours. And Jesus quoted from the book of Deuteronomy that he was to serve the Lord only. Him only are we to serve. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you today, our service cannot really be active as it should one another until we first learn to serve God. If I am serving God, I am not sitting by doing nothing. If I'm going to serve God, I will not be inactive. I will not let my talents lie dormant before the Lord, but instead I will step up and I will begin to do what God has called me to do. Brothers and sisters, God has a plan and a purpose for every one of your lives. Do not think for a minute that it just means that I can go to church and my plan is I got to go to heaven. I'm all for heaven, but I want to tell you until we get there, we've got some stuff to do. We've got a job to do, we've got a plan and a purpose placed upon our lives, and it is to serve God. The idea of service, incidentally, in this, this context, in the idea of what, what it is that we're, we're learning about, it is that of waiting on tables. I always say to my wife, the one, one of the jobs that I could never do, besides being a plumber, uh, one of the jobs I could never do, I, I'm about to have a crack at it and replacing parts in one of our toilets in our house just continually runs. And I, I looked at it yesterday and I said, you know, another day. I've got all the parts there. I'm like, I'm not ready to tackle this just yet. I'm not in any kind of shape to do it. And so I just, uh, and I think about plumbing and I just think that's not my kind of job. But the other job that I cannot do is... Waiting tables. If you were to ask pastor, say, pastor, there are no other jobs in the world for you to have, but there's this one job at a restaurant, and you got to be a waiter, a server, uh, and take orders and bring the food to the table, I would say, I will, I will starve to death, I will die, I will let every bill go, I will let my house be taken away to the bank, just, I won't do it i can 't do it. The idea of having to please and having to do it in such a way that you 're always nice. How many of you ever had a bad server <laughs> and you think you know kind of it 's sort of a, an oxymoron really when you think about it, a bad server you know it, if you 're going to serve, serve and serve in a kind way. Anybody work at a restaurant by the way anybody okay no we got no we have no no servers here today no no waiters or waitresses. But, you know, you, you just, you get that, that cranky individual, you know, what's it going to be? You know, and they're chewing on the wad of gum. And, and they don't want to hear what you have to say. They don't want questions. They want you to give the order, and they want to bring it, and they want you to leave them a nice fat tip. But they don't want to be happy about it. That's something I just could not do. But yet the idea of serving in the context, especially in the New Testament, of serving the Lord and being a servant of the Lord is that of waiting on Him. That is of doing what He desires us to do. And sometimes we are called in the body of Christ to do things that we don't feel like doing, we don't want to do. It's not our ministry. It's not our job. I will never forget the first time I ever led in worship. It was not, well, the first time I let him worship was for a service that our senior class in Bible College did on some night of the week at, at the, the church that was there that was at that time connected to the school, Zion Gospel Temple. And I let him worship, and that night, the president of the school and his wife were right on the front row. And I thought, man, they didn't really have to come, but they did. And so I let him worship. I did my best. We had student musicians. We had a student, I, I don't know if it was our class president, somebody preached. And, you know, it was the senior class. They were, they were holding this earth. I let him worship. Then I decided to stay on staff at the Bible College. And as soon as school ended, and I went to my mailbox, now as a newly minted graduate of Bible College, and now a fresh incoming staff member of the Bible College, All of a sudden, I look in my mailbox, and there's a schedule, and it's a worship schedule, a worship leader schedule, and my name is on it. And I think to myself, I didn't sign up for it. In fact, funny story, going back to that, I went to a meeting to hear about staying on staff at the school. I didn't actually sign up to stay on staff. And I got a letter, I kid you not, I got a letter from the president saying, we're so glad that you have decided to stay on staff. That's how it happened. No word of a lie. It happened that way. And so now I get not only this letter, I get this worship schedule. And I knew who it was from. I knew it was from the president's wife. I walked into her office and I said, please, 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 please take me off the schedule. I don't want to lead in worship. I'm not. This is not my ministry. It's not the thing that I'm supposed to do. Please. I do not want to do that. She said, just try it once. I said, "Okay, fine. I'll try it once. I got up there. I felt disaster. I felt like it was all disastrous. I went back into her office that week and I said, Sister Crandall, please, you've got to take me off this worship schedule. I cannot do it. I cannot serve in this way. She said, fine. She took me off the schedule. The whole year went by. I said, wonderful. I am free. I am free and clear. The next year, same time of the year, I get another worship schedule right in my box and my name is on it. I walk back into her office and I said, Sister Crandall, please, we've been through this before already. Please take me off the schedule. She said, Brent, just try it once. Just try it one more time. I said, Sister Crandall, I tried it one time and it didn't go so well. Please, please. And she said, please, if you will just try it and just serve in that way, and just do it, I think something's going to happen. I want you to know that I stood in that pulpit and I began to lead and worship. The musicians played. I think she played the organ. I began to lead and at that moment I felt an anointing of the Holy Spirit come over me and God said, this is what I have in store for you right now. It's what I want you to do. It's how I want you to minister in this place. You be a blessing. I felt the Spirit of God like I had never felt before. And I did not walk back into her office and beg to be taken off. I walked back into her office and I said, God did something in me. When you step up to serve in the things that you don't feel like you could do, sometimes God will do something greater in your life in that moment and cause you to realize that something's been buried on the inside of you, that all it took was you stepping up to the plate to say, I'm willing to serve you and you alone. I said all that for us to know that it is God we are serving. When I went into that pulpit, I understood. And then when, when I sensed the presence of, you know, I think the year before, It might have been that I felt like I was just doing it for Sister Crandall because I loved her. I felt like I was doing it for man. But in that time, I said, Lord, you've got to be in this. And God was in it. And God did it. When we begin to direct our service to the Lord... Listen, in this body, don't do things because you've been asked by somebody. Do things because you want to serve God. Do things in the church. If you're asked to do something, then do it as a service to the Lord. And say, God, I'm going to do it. You say, it's so mundane. Maybe it's to pick up some papers or to help clean or to help do other things. Don't do it because you've been asked by me or because you're, you're hoping that I'll be impressed with it or I'll thank you for it or I'll do anything else. No, we are to do whatever it is that we do in the body of Christ because we are to serve Him and Him only. He is worthy of all the service that we can ever give Him. Service is still a choice. Go over to Joshua. Turn over just one book over to Joshua 24 and verse 15. 24 and verse 15. I had a choice at that moment of whether or not it was that I was going to continue to serve in that way. And I chose to do it as God placed his hand upon my life. I'm not the greatest worship leader, not the best singer, for sure. But I know the touch of God came upon me. And it is a choice for us to serve. You can choose not to. You can ju- just choose to sit by and be a spectator. But God is not interested in having a group of spectators. He wants servants. Service is still a choice. Listen to Joshua 24 and verse 15. The Bible says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. Listen to this. This is Joshua speaking to the people. At the end of Joshua's life, he knows he's about ready to die. He's about ready to go on to be with the Lord. But he says, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. This is loaded. This is a whole sermon in and of itself, just this one verse of Scripture. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You will serve somebody. You will serve somebody. You say, but I'm not choosing God now. You've made a choice. You may not have chosen to serve God at this moment, and I would encourage you before this meeting is out, if that is you, make a choice today and choose Him. Choose life. Don't choose death. Choose Him. He will, he will always do you right, but I want you to know that in the end, when you do not choose God, you have chosen the world. Now, Joshua is speaking and he goes on. We don't have time to read the rest of this passage that is connected to this verse of scripture. But Joshua goes on and he talks to them and they said, no, we will serve the Lord. We will. You notice in all of this that there is the element of the will. You choose to serve God and you choose to reject him. You say, but pastor, I don't want to be a, you know, I don't want to be a fanatic. You know, you don't really have to be a fanatic. It's just when you become a Christian, the world is gonna look at you like you're a fanatic. And in the day and age that we are living in, you are less tolerable to them than you ever have been. We are living, listen folks, this ain't the 50s anymore, where it was that most and the majority of the people believed in God in this country. We now have a generation who has grown up feeling as though they have no purpose in life, and whatever purpose they have, they've got to make it. God has a purpose. There is a God, there is somebody to choose to serve, and one day you may choose not to serve Him, you will stand before Him. You will, at that moment, realize you made a choice. He says, choose who you're going to serve. And he shows them, he says, are you going to choose the gods that your forefathers served beyond the river? He's talking about in the desert when the, the Israelites, when Moses was up on the mountain, had had uh, told and, and, and come to Aaron and said, Aaron, he's not coming back. He's been up on the mountain too long. I, we want you to just fashion us an idol and he made a golden calf and they bowed down and they worshiped that calf and said, this is the God who brought us out of Egypt, even though they all knew better and Aaron knew better, they did it anyway. And he says, you're going to choose that God or you're going to choose the gods that are around us here? You're living in a land of the Amorites. The Amorites serve these other gods. Are you going to choose them? Listen, young people, especially you are living in a world that serves the God of self and self selfishness. You are living in a world that looks up to idols of of Hollywood and music and all of those things and athletes. But I want you to know that there are still people, even in those places in Hollywood, athletes and musicians who are standing for righteousness and saying that we believe that God is great and wonderful. I thought of the uh, There is a website, I think it's a website, called I Am Second. I Am Second, I don't know if it's .org, .com, you just Google I Am Second. There are all kinds of famous individuals giving their testimonies of how God has touched them. And they say, no longer am I number one. I'm not first. I am second in this world. I am somebody now who has come to know that there is someone instead who deserves my worship and my service. I have chosen to serve Him. Brothers and sisters, we've got to choose. And if you don't choose to serve God, you have chosen to serve the world. You have chosen to serve yourself. And the Bible says that there is a way that seems right unto a man. But in the end, the end is destruction. The Bible also says in another place that the wages of sin is death. But I like this, the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. When you choose Him, you are choosing life. When you choose Christ, you are choosing something that is greater than what the world has to offer. Look, the world has some, some things to offer you that are going to feel good, taste good, look good, and it's all, all going to seem good for the moment. But I want you to know that in the end it will not satisfy the emptiness in your spirit and in your soul. You have an eternal soul. You cannot ignore that. And that soul has to be controlled by the Spirit of God. When you choose to serve Him, He will take over in your life and He will fill your soul with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Choose Him. So who we are to serve, we are to serve Him only and we have to choose Him. But not only that, one thing that we have to remember in this is that service can be misdirected and our energies misspent. Turn over in the New Testament to the book of Matthew. I want you to see what Jesus has to say. In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, and verse 24, Jesus says these words, Matthew 6 and 24. He says, no one can serve the kids that are going downstairs where there's no children's church today, just come upstairs. No one can serve two masters. Do you notice that? No one can serve two masters. I always I find it interesting, those who like to, to try to, you know, you go to two different churches. Well, I go to this church this week, and I go to that church that week, and I go here and I go there. You you cannot serve in two places. It's it's impossible. You can only be of value and service in one. You have to choose. It, this is outside of, of, of church, but I apply it to that. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, notice what Jesus says. He says, you cannot serve God and money. Wow. We know that we need money to live. We, we understand that. But there is a line often that is drawn and crossed over by many, where it is that money becomes their pursuit, and they never have enough. It's an amazing thing. You find some of the richest people in the world, you ask them what it is that they want in life, and they'll just say, more. Just more. It It is, you cannot serve, you cannot say, God, I'm going to serve you with all my heart, but... You know, the boss asked me to work three extra shifts this week, and boy, we sure need that money because you know what? I've been eyeing this really cool TV, this 60-inch LCD at Best Buy. Sorry, I'm going for the guy thing, ladies. I, I couldn't even imagine what it is that you're eyeing. But, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going for the guy thing. And, it's, you know, it's $3,000, but 60 inches I'm just not sure. I don't know if I have a wall big enough in my apartment, but I'll make room somewhere. So sorry. I, you know, I can't come to church. The question is, you're going to tithe on those three extra shifts? Ouch. Ouch. You cannot serve God and money. You can't serve God and things. And that is one of the dangers of our present society is that they have elevated things above even our human relationships. The pursuit of careers has created a very difficult situation for our current generation. I look at some of the young people that I encounter on a regular and a daily basis and they are some of the most apathetic. I didn't say pathetic. I said apathetic. I'm sure there are they're, they're good qualities somewhere. But, but in some of the younger generation, they are, they are apathetic. They don't care. I just don't care about this. I don't care about that. I don't care about anything but myself. And you know what, brothers and sisters, it is partially due to the fact that parents have pursued not to just have enough in life to help live, but there is this endless pursuit for more. I got to get more. Oh, we can pay our bills easy. Jobs, wonderful. But you know what, I got to pull that extra shift because they pay double time. And, you know, when you're making $12 an hour, you jump up to $24 an hour. Ooh, Who, who can pass that up? What are we going to do with the kids? Ah, uh, you know, let's throw them in this center. Let's throw them in this place. Let's throw them in there. And, you know, what happens, eventually what happens is, you say, Pastor, you don't understand. I, you know, I've been a single parent. I'm not talking about single parents today. I'm talking about a family unit where it is that the pursuit is just more. Going after more. And now we wonder why our kids despise us. We wonder why it is our kids misbehave. We wonder why it is they don't respond to authority. Why should they? The only authority in their life is the pursuit that you are showing them that you are going after, and it is things. I knew it would get quiet. We cannot serve God and money. We can't serve God and things. You know, one of the best ways to make sure that we're not serving money is to tithe. Oh, it's still silent. I'm amazed. Am I here? Is it? Hello, anybody here? Ah, one of the best ways, I'll say it again. You can say amen or ouch. It doesn't really matter. One of the best ways to make sure we're not serving money is to tithe. Thank you for that. Amen let's move on. If it's time to serve, we must know how to serve. Not just who to serve, but how to serve. There are so many different ways, and I don't have time to get into all of them, but the Bible lets us know, and I'll go back and let me just read it. The Bible says, in fact, why don't you get ready for the next one? Go to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 10. And let me read the verse that came right before what Joshua says in Joshua 24 of how it is that we are to serve God. Go to Deuteronomy 10, and I'll land there in a moment. Just turn there. But Joshua, in Joshua 24 and verse 14, says these things. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. With all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worship beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But he says, serve Him with all faithfulness. That word faithfulness, we talked about this not too long ago in one of the messages that I preached, that faithfulness has to do with being truthful or, or to stand by somebody. We often refer to This in terms of marriage, that a husband and wife, they have been together and have loved one another and have been faithful to one another. That is true to each other, didn't cheat on each other, didn't run around behind the other's back and didn't do things that they shouldn't do. But they stuck by their mate and they hung on with them through all of the years. I I was, spoke about and talked about my... Uh, My friend, my mentor in many ways, Dr. Crandall, President Crandall, was the president of the Bible College at the time. He, I just heard as he preached, and he's a seniors pastor now in Times Square Church in New York, uh, where the church that uh, Brother David Wilkerson started, and he he said that he just recently celebrated, I want to say his 68th wedding anniversary. He and Sister Crandall have been together for 60, you imagine that? Sixty eight years. That's a remarkable thing in a day and age where divorce is so common in the church and in the world where it's like we get bored, we get tired, we get whatever, and all of a sudden you want to just kick that one to the curb and just say, ah, we're going to you know, go our separate ways. Mommy and Daddy can't get along anymore. You know what, brothers and sisters, what it takes is it takes being faithful. We have to serve the Lord faithfully. There are times when we go through dark moments in our Christianity and dark times in our lives and things that we deal With that, we can't understand. And you know what? The common thing that often happens in people's hearts and minds is that they just get mad at God and say, God, you know what? I don't need this right now. I just, I've got to do my own thing because clearly Christianity is not working out for me. Well, what did we think when we came to Christ? Did we really think that it was just all going to be a bed of roses? Or did we really listen to what Jesus had to say when he said to his disciples, In this life? you will have afflictions, you will have troubles. Jesus didn't come to this earth to save you from having to go through afflictions and through troubles. He came to save you from sin, the first and the foremost thing that that all of us need salvation from. He didn't come to save you from afflictions. You know, you've been praying for me. This is something new for me that I'm traversing in my life. I am dealing with pain on an absolute continual basis. There are others in this church who know about it. And I've never understood fully what it is that they are dealing with. But I am now dealing with it. And it's one of those things that I have had to say, God, I said it yesterday as I sat down trying to alleviate some pain. I said it. The kids were outside. My wife was doing something and, and I uh, outside of the house. And I just said, God, you're still worthy of praise. You're still worthy of praise. You know what, brothers and sisters? God is still worthy. I get disgusted with it, I get angry about it, but I don't get mad at God. God has always been good to me. God is always worthy of praise. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, God is still a good God. We've got to serve Him faithfully. We've got to stand by Him. And when we stand by Him, He will always be there with us to carry us through those dark moments, to help us through those times in our lives where we feel as though we can't make it on our own. There is a God in heaven who is always faithful to you, so you be faithful to Him. You're at Deuteronomy chapter 10. Let's read verses 12 and 13. We are to serve God not only faithfully, but wholeheartedly. The Bible says this, And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? but to fear. Here's that word fear again that means reverence. Reverence the Lord. Fear the Lord your God. To walk in all His ways. To love Him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You, you, you know, your soul is your, your emotional part of you. Some of us are more emotional than others. I, I tend to sort of be a... Uh, non-emotional guy in certain ways. I know it might not look like it this morning as I get a little excited and, you know, get loud or whatever, but I tend to sort of be that way. But your soul, you are to serve the Lord with your soul. This is why I don't think it's, it's out of place in church for us to openly praise God, for us to lift our hands, for us to Get loud in the presence of the Lord because we are worshiping the Lord with all of our soul. We're serving Him with all of our soul. There's, there's nothing out of place in doing that. But the Bible says in verse 13, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. So this is what He requires. He requires of us that we are to serve Him wholeheartedly. There's a whole bunch of other things that we could talk about. But that idea of being wholehearted is you don't reserve your heart for anything else. It's kind of like you don't say to yourself... You know, I want to go the way of the world, but I want to go to heaven too. So let me have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. You can't serve God that way. You've got to do it wholeheartedly. It's the only way that it can happen. And I know a lot of times we look at the world and we think, man, they're so happy. They're so, you know, having so much fun. And yet you ask them to remember the fun that they had Friday night and they don't remember it. Because their fun is induced. By something. Their fun is a false fun. Their fun is something that had to be pumped into them. They couldn't go out and figure out how to have fun with their own heads and their own brains and their own souls. They had to put something into them in order to quote unquote have fun. That they can't remember they had. Oh, but it was fun. Woo! Really? It was so fun. You can't even remember it. Can I? T- so stupid. Say, Pastor, how dare you say that? Well, come on, folks. Let's think about it for a minute. If you've got to pump something into your brains or into your stomachs or, you know, put it in, snort something, you've got to do something like that to claim that somehow that's how you have fun. And you're getting addicted to something that is creating your fun that then you can't get out of that you had so much fun getting into and now you can't control and it's destroying a marriage and it's destroying your children and it's destroying life. I wonder really, do we really think that that is fun? It's stupid. Serve, the God, serve God wholeheartedly. Give Him your whole heart. Don't reserve it for the world. Don't reserve it for going, i got to go out with my friends and have all kinds of fun. You know what? I have fun on a Friday night fellowship because I'm in my right mind And you know what? I can look and I can see some of the silly things that people just did this past time that we had Friday Night Fellowship. And I think, I think I might even have some of it on video. And I, who knows when that'll pop up somewhere down the road. And it was, that was fun. It doesn't take much, folks. It really doesn't. When we serve God, we can serve Him wholeheartedly. We can serve Him cleanly. We can serve Him with everything that is within us, and we know that there is nothing that is reserved for the world. David admonished Solomon when David was at the end of his life, and he was in, he was he was admonishing this young man who was going to be king over all of Israel, he said, and you, my son Solomon, in 1 Chronicles, you don't need to turn there, but 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9, and you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart. And understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. And if you forsake Him, He will reject you forever. But the Bible says to serve Him, David says to Him, serve Him with wholehearted devotion. Brothers and sisters, there is no other way to do it. We've got to serve Him faithfully. We've got to serve Him wholeheartedly. And there's one other way. Very quickly, the Bible indicates that we've got to serve Him. We've got to serve Him reverently. Reverently. Psalm 2 and verse 11 says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. It's that same word we've been seeing over and over again in Deuteronomy as we've been reading, that we are to serve Him with fear. Same thing. The psalmist says, Serve the Lord with fear. Fear, that word fear means reverence, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling, knowing that He's a mighty God. He is a great God. I want you to know today, God is deserving of your reverence. He is deserving of your respect. I know we talk about respect. We want other people to respect us. We want other people to treat us kindly and, and, and with an, an understanding that we are valuable in, in the, the whole grand scheme of life, and that is important. But you know what? Even more so, we are never to bring God down to our level, but instead were to say Lord raise me up to where you are that I might serve you with all of my heart my soul and my mind and that I might serve you with reverence when we worship him there should be a sense of awe of his greatness of his power of his might of who he is of what he can accomplish what he has accomplished we should take all of these things into account and realize that we are worshiping somebody who is greater than we are and greater than what is going on in our lives here is greater than any head of state. He is greater than any individual that you might elevate in your mind as being great. God is greater. He is absolutely greater. If it's time to serve, we must know when to serve. Turn over. I want you to see this. Turn over to Daniel, and I'm going to be closing in just a moment. Daniel chapter 6, and verse 16. Daniel chapter 6, and verse 16. Daniel had been thrown into the lion's den. He was about ready to. The king didn't realize that he was being tricked into getting Daniel's life weighing in the balance and and putting Daniel in a situation that surely he was going to die. But the king recognized this about Daniel. Listen to what he says. So the king gave the order. He had to. He had to follow the law. It was the rule of law. And they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. Listen to what the king said. So remorseful about what took place, but he had to follow the law. He said, the king said to Daniel, make your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. There are no breaks with our service to the Lord. There is no rest. There is no vacation." I realize we need that for our own body's sake but when it comes to your service for the Lord if you're away and you're on vacation somewhere and you're you know you you God has a plan for you there as much as he has a plan for you here God has uh, something he wants you to do and it could be to just simply talk to somebody about Jesus it might be to help somebody and encourage somebody but the Bible says here And this king recognized that Daniel served the Lord continually. We have to serve the Lord continually. When you go to your job tomorrow and you are faced with that difficult circumstance, remember that you are to serve the Lord continually and that God is going to help you and see you through. It's a wonderful thing. You read a little bit further down in Daniel chapter six and the king showed up the next day to see if, you know, Daniel was still alive or if he had been a meal, and and he opens up that that lion's den and realizes he wasn't a meal. God had preserved him. And he repeated that phrase over and over again at that moment. And he said, oh, the God that you serve continually. Brothers and sisters, Daniel didn't cower in a corner and say, you know, it's not politically convenient for me to be known as a believer. But instead, even though he knew the law of what had come in, Place in that moment, the Bible lets us know that three times a day he still knelt through the window open and faced toward Jerusalem, and he prayed to Yahweh. He prayed to the God of heaven, even though the law said, "Oh no, you don't." I want you to know you can take the, you can take prayer out of the school, but you cannot take prayer out of the soul of that young person walking the hallways, saying, "God, I need you today." You cannot remove the kid who is trusting in God. Saying, I'm gonna serve the Lord with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. Now, God, you help me on this test, you help me in this place, you help me to live for you where I am. You can take God out of that place, but you cannot take God out of the heart. Serve Him continually throughout our lives. We've got to be just like Jesus. The Bible lets us know this Jesus said these words, You don't need to turn there. Just turn over to Philippians 2 right now. But as you're turning, listen to the words that Jesus said. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give His life a ransom for many throughout our entire lives. If we want to be like Jesus, the only way to do it is to serve. The only way to do it is to be a servant. Not only for the Lord and to the Lord, but to one another. You see, part of this, and this is a whole other element of this message that I didn't even touch on today, we've got to learn to serve one another as believers, serve our brothers and sisters in Christ, and even serve unbelievers in the world. Listen, one of the things that I love most is the time... and, and Lord willing, we'll be setting a date for this to happen again, is the hot dog day. It's an opportunity for us to get out there and just to serve the community in such a way that we just, you know, we give out free food. I mean... (laughs) If it's free, it's for me. You can't go wrong with free food, right? We're giving it out and just handing it out and serving. We've got to serve. Whether they're a believer or an unbeliever, it doesn't really matter. The idea is for us to serve. And we've got to do it throughout our whole lives if we want to be like Jesus. But listen to what the Bible says. And I'm closing with this passage of Scripture. In Philippians chapter 2, reading down through from verse 1 through to verse 11, the Bible says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing, listen to this, do nothing out of selfish ambition. You know that it's possible in the church to do something out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, he says. That is so that you can be puffed up and you can be seen and you can have people look at you. He says, don't do anything like that, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, But verse 7, I want you to see that, understand it, get it in your spirit. We sing the chorus from time to time to be like Jesus. If you want to be like Jesus, here's how you've got to do it. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And the idea, I didn't even get into this and don't have time to do so, but the Bible says that his service caused him to be obedient. Service leads to obedience. And sometimes it is obedience in such a way that it is a death to self. You say, I want this. But sometimes God is saying, I want this that is the opposite for you. I know what is best for you. Serve me. Be a servant for the Lord. And I want you to know, brothers and sisters... What God did for Jesus, not in the same way, He won't do it for us the same way, but He will exalt you. The Bible says that we are to humble ourselves and in due season, we will be lifted up and we will be exalted. It's not the same kind of exaltation that Jesus has, but we will be lifted up and exalted. You be a servant to the Lord. It's time to serve, brothers and sisters. It is time for us to say, I am no longer going to be about what I can do get out of Praise Tabernacle. Let it be about what I can give to Praise Tabernacle. Let it be about what I can do for the Lord in this place. Let it be about how I can live for the Lord in my workplace or in my school or around my friends or around my neighbors in my apartment building, wherever it is that I live and I move and I have life. Let me live as a servant of the Lord. Can we stand to our feet right now?